You shouldn't like things because people tell you you're supposed to. Hey y'all, I'm Gretchen Purser and this is The Mess Is Mine, the podcast where we talk about politics and religion, faith, all the things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. Thanks for stopping by. And if you like what you hear, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me some stars or a rating, or even better, share it with your friends and family. It'll help us spread the word. So happy fall, y'all. Hope y'all had a great summer. This time of the year is usually about getting back into routines, getting back to business. It's always an exciting time of the year politically. For all you non-nerds out there, it's kind of like the political playoffs. It's been a long season, and the primaries are finally over, and now we are down to the final sprint before the November elections. But these are strange times. Unlike the sleepy August news cycles of old, the political merry-go-round from hell never really slowed down this summer. It just kept on spinning. And if you're listening to this podcast, you might be what the folks over at the Bulwark refer to as a normie. By definition, that means you're normal enough to be kind of grossed out by politics, by most politicians, and most, if not all, the news outlets. It all makes you feel a little bit anxious, a little depressed, and maybe kind of helpless. Chances are you've tuned out, and you're not exactly anxious to tune back in. While all the experts agree it's a good idea to give our brains a break and preserve our sanity, I'm going to give you the quick skinny on what went down the last few weeks and why the rest of the normies out there really need you to tune back in. basically only accomplished two things this summer. One, I gave up cream and sugar in my coffee, which was really hard to do. And two, I watched all four seasons of Stranger Things. Now, before you judge me and say it's some sort of teeny bopper show, I'm here to tell you, I resisted for a long time because I don't really usually do the sci-fi thing, but this show grabbed me and would not let go. Admittedly, I first got hooked because it's just 80s-tastic. The Harvest Gold wall phone, the hair, the clothes, the Camaros, the music... For those of you who are fans, Steve Harrington would have been in my graduating class. Shout out to 1985, y'all. So that's the stuff that hooked me. But what really drew me in was this thing called the Upside Down. The Upside Down is basically a parallel universe where all the things exist, like in our world, but they're off, like they're distorted, they're wrong somehow. And that's honestly how I feel about a lot of things right now, about our country, about my old party, about evangelicals. It's just like we live in the land of the unprecedented and the unimaginable, except for in books, which are weirdly now being banned. But the children love the books. The things that we never thought would happen keep happening over and over and over again. So I'm going to give you some good things to think about, but we're also going to look at some tough topics today. We're going to look at Mar-a-Lago. We're going to look at Roe and marriage equality, and we're going to look at immigration. We're also going to talk about the return of the January 6th hearings, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the elections in November. Okay, it's time to grab your cataract sunglasses and your ugliest palm tree party pants. Head on down with me to Mar-a-Lago, and let's figure out what the heck happened down there. In order to understand what went down with the FBI in Mar-a-Lago, you kind of have to look at the whole year and a half before that. So when you're sitting around with your Uncle Clyde this weekend and his I Love Jesus hat and his Let's Go Brandon t-shirt, and he tells you that the jackbooted thugs kicked in the door of a completely innocent man in the middle of the night, maybe you can clarify things for him. Here's what we know. Shortly after Trump left office, and if you recall, it took a while to get him out of there, the archives realized they were missing some boxes, but they didn't really know what was inside. 
At that point, they just figured they were just Trumpy souvenirs, like an 8x10 glossy of a shirtless Putin, or an attaboy note from Xi Jinping, or maybe party pics with his favorite Hooters waitresses. You know, there's going to be stuff like that in there for sure. You know, at first glance, one might think, well, what's the big deal? I mean, he only got one term. Let him have some souvenirs. And I get that, except for, you know, there's this issue, not that it matters to Trump, but it's against the law. There's a Presidential Records Act that states that everything given to a president while he's in office belongs to the American people, to the office of the president, not to the person. Even so, I mean, would the FBI really involve itself with getting back a bunch of paperweights and useless crap? No, that's not what happened. After Trump's team repeatedly denied that they had boxes, they then turned over 15 boxes that happened to have classified documents in them, and that's when the FBI got involved. Now, remember, the head of the FBI is a guy named Jim Ray, and he was appointed by Donald Trump. Now, staff had ratted out Trump, and so the FBI knew that there were still boxes in Mar-a-Lago that they weren't turning over. Ray had to get a subpoena, and he happened to go to a judge to get the subpoena who actually had been appointed by Trump. I just bring this up to point out that this is not a partisan witch hunt. These are, these are all Republicans. So in all the boxes seized, I think the total was about 300 documents that were classified. And classified documents aren't all the same. There's confidential, secret, and top secret. Now, the sensitivity of these documents, of course, varied a lot, but there were 25 top secret files, and those are the ones that are especially concerning because they can undermine national security in massive ways. And y'all, these weren't in a vault. He had top secret documents shoved in a closet with his Pop-Tarts and self-tanner. You know, the big question is, why did he take all these documents? Some people argue that he just took them because he's Trump, and he takes what he wants, and he does what he wants, and the law doesn't matter. And they seem fine with that. I wouldn't say this about anybody else, but because it's him, I keep thinking, why did he hold on to them? Once he knew that they knew that he had the boxes, why didn't he burn them? Why didn't he destroy the evidence? There's a school of thought that either he or somebody in his orbit, Steve Bannon, had the idea of monetizing it or somehow using it as leverage against either our government or another government. And I know people think he's not that smart, but we underestimated him all the way into the White House and through an attempted coup. So I'm thinking he might be a little smarter than we give him credit for. The upside down part of this for me isn't really about Trump. I don't expect anything better from him, and I doubt you do either. My question is, how do we get to the place where a Republican president may have intentionally or unintentionally exposed our national security? And this is an acceptable response. And I'll say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information, there'll be riots in the streets. What? Riots in the streets over Donald Trump? Lindsay, you crazy. That'll never happen. Oh, wait. Speaking of things that never would happen, let's talk about overturning Roe. It's a good thing that bell bottoms are back in fashion because we're going to head back to 1973 for a minute and try to kind of look at what happened and how this thing all unraveled so you guys will have the backstory. So in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled that women have a constitutional right to an abortion, but it was the under the umbrella of not of equality, but of right to privacy. And even back then and many times since, people, including Justice Ginsburg, have made that argument. And it's for that reason that Roe versus Wade was always considered to be possibly a little bit on shaky ground. Also, Roe was really broad, okay? It just said a constitutional right. It didn't really define anything specific. So the Casey decision in 1992 upheld Roe, but it redefined some of the language and put some gestation rules in place. So 23 weeks became the floor. More conservative states could limit it after 23 weeks if they wanted to. But no state could outlaw it and no state could limit it before 23 weeks. 
Now, historically, Republicans weren't pro-life. It's an issue that they came to embrace because they knew that they could get some evangelical support and some pro-life support. And Ronald Reagan was the first one to do that. But it really came along in the 90s and 2000s. It also wasn't a very risky position to take because nobody, and I mean nobody, thought Roe was going to get overturned. But then here comes Donald Trump. He made a deal with the pro-lifers and evangelicals in exchange for them overlooking his reprehensible language and horrific behavior. He would give them pro-life judges if given an opportunity. Well, in his four years, he was able to give them not one, not two, but three pro-life judges, completely tipping the balance of the court. The third one, Amy Coney Barrett, is especially interesting because she came in just under the wire. I think she was sworn in one week before Donald Trump lost. And the ironic thing is that the Republicans refused to give Obama his final justice because he had only one year left in his term. One year. Not one week. One year. I'm no lawyer, but if Roe is shaky, then Dobbs, the decision that overturned Roe, is even shakier. It's based on the 1868 Due Process Clause, and the argument is because abortion wasn't deeply rooted in our nation's history, it's not protected by the Constitution. Well, I got two things to say about that. Number one, we have a lot of really bad stuff that was rooted in our nation's history. Slavery. And another thing is, I'm not sure that today, in the year of our Lord 2022, we should be basing our policy on what was cool in 1868 when General Custer was still slaughtering the Indians. I mean, I'm just saying. But you know what? That tracks. You know why? Because we're in the upside down. Look, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, most people are kind of in the middle. Most people are pro-life, but they don't want to be illegal or they're pro-choice with some exceptions. That's a normal position. There's a lot of room for compromise and common ground here. This is not an unwinnable argument. But the fact is the argument that the Republicans made for so long was a state's rights argument. And then as soon as Roe is overturned, Senator Lindsey Graham introduces a federal ban on abortion. As you can well imagine, that wasn't a very popular position to take right before a midterm election. His colleagues embraced this idea as if it was a big bag of monkeypox wrapped up in a box of leprosy. Most of the members of my conference prefer that this be dealt with at the state level. Translation. Shut up! <laughs> Under the category of equal opportunity criticism, the Democrats had an opportunity here to come in with a legislative fix and codify Roe, to, to reinforce what Roe was, which was basically middle ground. And they probably could have gotten the votes, except for the left. The far left went crazy and decided that they wanted to try to force Catholic hospitals to perform abortions, which is outrageous and asinine, and nobody expects them to have to do. There was a compromise to be made here, but we couldn't make it because of the extremist, because of the crazy 15% on the left and the crazy 15% on the right. Remember when we talked about gerrymandering, when the politicians just play to the extremes on the right and the left? Pretty soon our policy doesn't reflect what we want as a majority anymore. Except sometimes it does. Let's take a look at the great state of Kansas. So for those of you who aren't Kansas aficionados, I got a little trivia for you. The last time a Democrat was elected to the Senate from the state of Kansas was 1932. All right, so you would think that the Republicans have a pretty good stronghold in this state and that the abortion issue would be a no-brainer. That turned out to be partially true. See, in Kansas, the right to have an abortion was written into their state constitution. So when the Republicans put it up for a vote to try to take it out of the constitution, they were smacked down by 20 points. See, it turns out Kansans might be pro-life and they might be Republican, but they don't want abortion to be made illegal. 70% of America is not down with this Handmaid's Tale business. 
I mean, I don't mean to get all dramatic and everything, but there's some dystopian stuff going on out there, y'all. There is a guy running for the House of Representatives in Maryland who thinks that people who have HIV should have to be tattooed. So all this scarlet letter Orwellian dystopian stuff has not got some people worried about marriage equality. And oh, also because one of the Supreme Court justices said he might want to get rid of marriage equality. So, yeah. There's speculation it's because it falls under the same umbrella that abortion did with the right to privacy. That said, I kind of don't think marriage equality is going to get overturned. Because there's a big difference between marriage equality and abortion. Getting rid of gay marriage would hurt both men and women. And the abortion issue really just affects women. I'm sorry, but if men got pregnant, we wouldn't even be talking about this. I mean, come on. And the second thing is that gay marriage really doesn't affect anybody else. If you don't want to marry somebody from the same sex, then don't. So because the Supreme Court is pretty, let's say, political at this point, the Democrats are getting out front on the gay marriage issue, and they have written a bill called the Respect for Marriage Act. But they need 10 Republican votes to pass it, and they don't think they have those votes prior to the midterms because Republicans would take a beating for it at home with their base. Which I'm not really sure that they would. I mean, support for same-sex marriage as of right now among Democrats is 89%. Among Republicans, it's still 65%. Even the religious communities are on board. I mean, broken down by denomination, I think the highest, not surprisingly, are the Unitarians at like 98%. And the lowest, also not surprisingly, are the Evangelicals followed by the Jehovah's Witnesses at like 59-60%. But you know, that's kind of a lot for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, look at you, Jehovah's Witnesses, being all progressive and all. So the numbers aren't there. This is just an attempt by the far right to legislate morality. And let's take a look at the Republicans' morality right now, shall we? In case you missed it, Texas governor and self-proclaimed Christian Greg Abbott decided to put a bunch of people seeking political asylum on airplanes and ship them to islands like Martha's Vineyard. You know, like Jesus taught us in the good book. Whoever welcomes one of these little ones in my name might be letting in a murderer or a drug. Let's get her to a detention center. If Texas has more migrants than they can handle, they certainly could have gotten some help. Send them to a city. Don't send them to an island. Give the mayor or the governor a heads up. Let them prepare. Let them get medicine and diapers. This was never about helping these people, and it wasn't even about relieving Texas. This was about throwing red meat to the bloodthirsty base. Now they're finding out that Abbott staff lied to these people, said they were sending them one place, sent them someplace else, and signed them up for for immigration hearings all the way across the country. That put them in almost immediate violation of immigration policy and made it almost impossible for them to ever get legal citizenship. Why? Because they're going to come in and take our jobs? Oh, we have our jobs. We need workers. You know who else got in on the action? Ron DeSantis. I'm sorry, was Florida somehow suddenly overrun with asylum seekers from Georgia and Alabama? It's a goddamn peninsula. All these Republican governors are scrambling to try to out-Trump Trump. Virginia's Glenn Youngkin wanted to get in on the action, too. He just rolled back a bunch of rights for transgender kids. You know, because those transgender kids need to be put in their place. They've got it too easy already. Slackers. That's the thing about the Upside Down. It kind of looks like the Republican Party from before, but when you look closer, it's not. It's the opposite. This GOP wants to regulate what you read. This GOP doesn't root for Ukraine. It roots for Putin. They want to control what you do with your body and with whom. They don't want to persuade you to agree. They want to force you to comply. Now, I don't say all this to scare you. I say it to piss you off. It's time for people to get a little bit irritated so they get out there and get active. Because you know what? We are in the majority. We can actually do something about this. We now know what it looks like when you let the extremes control the narrative and we're not going to do it anymore.
Okay, now I got to drag you out of the ditch I pushed you in. Let's just do a quick minute on the midterms. Historically, what happens is the party in power loses seats. Right now, the Democrats control the White House. So if history holds, the Republicans ought to be able to take the House and the Senate. Now, it does look like the House is still going to go to the Republicans, but the margin is not going to be nearly what it was looking like before. And it's possible that the Democrats even hold on to the Senate, largely for the things I've been talking about for the last 13 minutes, but also because Republicans have put up some truly amazingly terrible candidates. They've also got some really extreme candidates running for governor, so that has a tendency to trickle down the ticket as well. It's a long way off, but I swear every week is like a million years in politics these days, so I'll have to do another update closer to game day. All right, so I want to tie this all together with a little bow for y'all. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things, here's the thing. When you get trapped in the upside down, there's always a way back. You can always get back to the right side. So I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Number one. We're a nation of laws. Laws are made by legislators. Legislators are chosen by you and me. Okay. Which brings you to the second thing. It's really important. It's critical for the normal people to get off the bench, for you to pay attention, make sure you're registered, and make sure you vote. Make sure everyone you know who believes in the rule of law votes. And the third thing is it's probably time for us to stop talking about the things that never happen. When we think things can't happen because they've never happened before, it makes us complacent. I think we need to learn from what's going on around us and start expecting the unexpected. Now is not the time to check out because this stuff's depressing to you. It's kind of like pulling up to an intersection and not looking both ways because you're afraid if you do, you might see a car there. You got to pay attention so you can avoid the accidents. Last thing, as I think everybody knows, uh, Mother of Dragons and my personal hero, Liz Cheney, lost her primary election, as everyone expected. Liz did something that almost no politicians are doing right now, which is sacrificing short-term personal gain for the good of the nation. So we all owe her our gratitude. And something tells me we haven't heard the last from Liz Cheney. As for the January 6th committee... The final public hearing is scheduled for Wednesday, September 28th. Now, there could be more hearings if more information comes forward, but that is the plan for right now. One last thing, I would love for y'all to pick up the phone. 512-463-1782 is Governor Greg Abbott's office. Why don't you ask him to stop using human beings as political pawns? Maybe we could all just assume that when Jesus came down here and told us to love one another, that he actually meant it. All right, I'm playing us out with a song that I feel is appropriate. Keep your chins up. Register to vote. Make sure you register to vote. Oh, and I had one more thing. What was it? Register to vote. Thanks for listening and sharing, y'all. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great week. Hope the sun's shining wherever you are. And I'll talk to you next time.